A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Vilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Road trip. Road trip. This is a tennis podcast road trip for the first time ever uh, in the history of the 592 episodes of the tennis podcast. Certainly since the first episode, we are in Solihull. Sunny Solihull, which has no sun at all. Uh, and Catherine Whitaker's here. Hello, Catherine. Yeah, I'm just looking up on my Spotify. I feel like we should have Life is a Highway playing <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Matt Roberts is here. Hello, Matt. Hello. Hello. We've been rained off, David. Yes, we have. We're, Matt and I are supposed to be playing tennis as we speak. That was in the schedule for our two-day road trip to Solihull, um, which is where we are right now. I say that it's the first time since the first episode seven and a half years ago, because that's where Catherine and I recorded it all those years ago. Um, Catherine's glazing oh gosh, yeah. over at the thought. We haven't been here since. Um, but the, what, I, we, yeah. what we do have in common is we're still oh. here to talk about tennis. Just, yeah... Just if you're thinking, if anyone listening is thinking, oh, I'll go back and listen to that first episode, please, please don't. Don't. Yeah. Uh, but the, the the match, although it has, it has been rained off, it is just a postponement, Matt. It is not a cancellation. So don't think you've got away with it. Apparently well, it's not drizzly in Solihull every day. Well, although I've, my sample size suggests otherwise. Well, David wrote a little agenda for this two-day trip in, so that we could make the most of it. And top of the agenda was... David to pick Matt up from the train station. Trash talk to begin. General trash talk. <laughs> trash talk was on the agenda. Trash talk in an agenda, well, folks. And it's happened, folks. <laughs> I can tell you, we've already gone past that part on the agenda, uh, but we haven't had the match just yet. Uh, we are here, though, to talk about Beijing, because uh, there's been loads of tennis there, and Tokyo, and to look ahead to Shanghai, and talk about whatever else has happened in the tennis world before Matt and I start duking it out on Henley Ooh. and Arden's centre court tomorrow morning at precisely 930 with Catherine Whitaker as umpire. Are you looking forward to that, Catherine? I mean, it sounds a lot like sitting in the rain watching low-quality tennis <laughs> to me. So, bring it on. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's that. And more excitingly for the rest of you who are listening to this is the fact that you can still win a trip to the Davis Cup by Rakuten finals in Madrid uh, between the 18th and the 24th of November because our competition is still running in our newsletter and it will be doing so until the 10th of October, which is Thursday night at 11.59pm UK time. So get yourself on our newsletter if you want to enter that competition. We've already had hundreds of entries. Um, scan down... What are people getting the question wrong? There's a lot of people. There's at least a third of the people getting the question wrong, which I'm quite proud about, really. But anyway, that's fine. You know, maybe you're one of the right ones. Um, but yes, get, get yourself on the newsletter. We're going to be sending out another one in the next day or so with uh, details of the question you need to answer, how you get it in. And we have tickets to give away to people for round-robin matches of the team of your choice uh, 
return economy trip as well flight over to madrid from wherever you are in the world and uh, and hotel too so i mean that sounds amazing uh, Catherine's actually got what's the song life is a highway <laughs> who would have thought it can we turn it off i don't yeah? want to have to pay rascal flats Maybe. any uh any any royalties so i am gonna pause that that's why we've got Catherine in in the team um can we talk about some tennis now uh, anyway incidentally if you if you don't win right or if you just decide you know what i don't think i'm going to win because i'm not going to get that question right go to the davidscupfinals.com website you can get a 15 percent discount uh if you put in the code ttp davis cup finals right then beijing what a week i mean that was i've covered a lot of beijing tournaments for bt sport over the years i think this is Maybe the best one I've seen in terms of the, the sheer number of colossal matchups between big name players that all delivered. Um, and what an advert for mixed mixed events with both men and women. You look at that order of play and you think that's a great women's match, great men's match, great women's match. Such variety in the order of plays. And by comparison, Tokyo, which was also ATP 500, didn't really feel like one. Um, it felt like quite a lot of Tokyo was missable if you if you kind of had to pick one or the other it was Beijing every time pretty much yeah um, and a lot of the matchups that we wanted to happen in Beijing did end up happening yeah it, it certainly I mean uh, to some extent on the men's side as well but on the women's side it made me I kept on thinking about the question that was put to us by I think it was Victoria that edited our um, post US Open Q&A edition, great questions, Victoria. And one of them was who are going to be the future rivalries on the WTA Tour and which ones are you most looking forward to? And I now would like to revise my answer to pretty much every match we saw (laughs) in Beijing. Because it started with, uh, I think the first one that really caught my eye was Barty against Kvitova. And I always have the words, she's a great chick, ringing in my ears from Barty about Kvitova, <laughs> who, who she clearly... Who doesn't Barty think is a great chick, though? I well, feel like that's her standard... Whoever she doesn't say to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, God, please Yeah, because there's that quote me. where she said it about Osaka. She's a, she's a great chick and she gives the ball a rip or something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, but she clearly really respects Kvitova. There's a lot of camaraderie there as well. And they just... I mean, I think I saw the first two sets of that. And the first half an hour, Kvitova was unplayable. And then, just bit by bit, Barty reeled her in. And it was just fascinating to watch that. And that happened a number of times over the week. None non more so than the way Osaka, who won the title, carried herself. Because she just kept on reeling these players in. And I, I just loved the way they all seemed fresh enough still and at the, I mean they were pretty much not I don't know whether they were all at the peak of their ability but they all felt like they were playing really top-notch tennis it didn't feel after the Lord Mayor show which a lot of even the best tennis at this time of the season can feel in all honesty or well, that's certainly how I sometimes feel about it. I can enjoy the matches and I can still take enjoyment from this part of the season but the fact that it doesn't build up to a slam can make it feel a little bit like a a limp towards the finish line as you say everybody maybe not everyone at the peak of their powers but it didn't feel like lack of energy was a huge feature of any of the significant matches and that's how you want it to be you don't want to be thinking about you don't want your mind to be turning towards debates about length of season while you're watching a good tennis match which is how it can sometimes feel at this stage of the year particularly on the men's side you know that debate is going to come up you know pretty much daily you know that players are going to be looking absolutely out on their feet I'm talking about you Stefanos Tsitsipas <laughs> um, who just about dredged a week <laughs> of himself into the file yeah I mean give that guy a holiday yeah. get him a boat and send him on his way but it didn't feel like that at all for me for um, in the WTA event I don't think there's a match outside of the slams that I've looked forward to more all year than Osaka and Riscu. It, it felt like the whole year's been building for those two to face each other, especially on a hard court. And then it really delivered the goods. It was a fantastic match. 
And I just think there's a group of players now, the ones we've mentioned, Asak, Andreescu, Barty, Kvitova, Adin, Halep, Pliskova. Between them, they've won most of the big titles this year, the slams the, uh, the and the premier events. And they're all going to be at the WTA finals. And we've got more of this to look forward to over the next month. And that is tremendously exciting. Chris Evert. 18-time Grand Slam champion, set her alarm for 5.30 a.m. <laughs> to be up for Naomi Osaka against Bianca Andreescu. And I love that. Mm-hmm. The fact that, yeah. that you know somebody who's done that much in the sport was so pumped to be able to just witness this match and hope that it lived up to, to expectations. And as you say, I mean, it, it started off with, with Andreescu, I think, winning the first set, didn't it? And mm. she was in charge. She was in total command of the match, in fact. And, and, and Osaka was, was struggling. She was making Osaka look one-dimensional, it, wasn't it, she? It was another set, like the, fin- like the second set of the US Open final, where she raced 5-1 ahead, got reeled back into 5-all, and then won at 7-5. But the story of the set really was how... As you said, one-dimensional, she made Osaka look in those first six games. You're thinking, this, this is Osaka who's won two Grand Slams in the last 13 months. Andreescu just looks like she's another level up. Mm. But I think what Osaka doesn't get enough credit for, probably, is because she's able to completely overpower players and thrash them handily... We kind of think of her as, a, as someone who can dominate opponents, but actually one of her biggest qualities, I think, is the way that she's able to grind and able to figure things out. I thought that that was a feature that underpinned her Australian Open title run, where she figured out Shea, mm. um, she figured out Pliskova, she figured out Kvitova. And I saw that again this week with Osaka in, in Beijing. She figured out Andreescu and she figured out Ash Barty in the final, both from a set down. And I think... Her on-court coaching with her father played a part in that. We'll talk about that. That was th- those were tremendously positive experiences to watch. But also within herself, she she adapted her game mid-match, and I think that's that's such an important skill to have, and something that we maybe don't give Osaka enough enough credit for because she hasn't got the variety in her game necessarily. But she's able to use her movement to cut out errors and think I don't need to go for the lines I've got I've got the power advantage in this I just need to you know commit to what I'm doing and, and I will figure it out and I think I was so impressed with Osaka this week and cool and yes I, I think you're right her, her dad had a lot of input and I loved their exchanges so much. I found it really uplifting this week and and the previous week in Osaka their exchanges for so many different reasons completely uplifting but she seemed to always call him on to court at at the right moments that was another example mm. of if you, tactical if you, nows if you missed those exchanges the, the one that really resonated the one that had us all talking was when he came onto the court when she was I think a set and a breakdown uh, against Andrescu and her dad just said to her just do what got you here and he, he said I'm proud of you you can do it and then he left and it was just sort of no pressure, no massive, masses of strategy. Just it was just backing. It was just backing her up. It was just, it was just lovely, really. And uh, uh, Anki Arthurong and Laura Robson was, were commentating in the BT Sport commentary box, and and they said they were in tears. You know, they were watching this, just so moved by by that moment. And look, it's 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 too easy to uh, develop a narrative of cause and effect there. But she started playing better shortly after that and she won the match um, and you just feel or at least I feel anyway having seen what she's gone through at other points of the year when she's not looked happy and she's you know I've wondered whether this is really for her just seeing somebody come out and care about her and remind her of that it's okay, everything's fine. You know, it's is just really nice, I think. Yeah, and it's horses for courses, isn't it? And um, not just in terms of people, but in terms of circumstance as well. I mean, there are plenty of examples of parent-child, coach-player relationships that make make us all feel a bit uncomfortable for, for various different reasons. Tennis-based reasons, you know, plenty of examples of parent-coaches who seem like they're 
perhaps holding their their children charged back. Plenty of examples of exchanges that we've seen that indicate that you know the blurring of those lines must make for a very strange relationship at times. And you know, Naomi Osaka is somebody that has very openly put her happiness ahead of her tennis results and also said that I feel like my tennis results will only really come when I'm when I'm happy and you know she I've heard so much so much criticism of her which really surprised me since that split with Sasha Bayan about questioning whether she could do it without him and it's, it's riled me it's really riled me because a who cares she never said she was making that decision to improve her tennis results she said I need to do this for my happiness end of story so irrelevant point one and point two just disrespectful I think of her ability and her knowledge of herself so I'm I'm so uplifted and delighted for her at what she's done in the last couple of weeks Mm. and I find Osaka's year just really fascinating because because of the sort of outside criticism that she got over the over the over the split with Bayin and and her results at Roland Garros and Wimbledon, it's it's been easy at times to, to think like she maybe isn't having such a, a good year, but actually her 29 season is objectively better than her 2018 season in terms of higher win percentage, more top 10 wins. Um, she had her best clay swing ever, even though it wasn't brilliant. It was still a step forward. She's got a slam, she's got a Premier mandatory now and another title. She has had a really good season and yet she still feels like she's having to prove herself. Mm. And if Osaka feels like she's having to prove herself, <laughs> what hope for the rest of us? You know? uh, well, I, and I think maybe one of the reasons for that is because of the, the way she carries herself. It, she's not swinging about mm. like Andrescu as if she owns the place thing. Clearly... With her personality, she's just such a... She just sort of belongs on that stage. You're never that sure with Osaka, really, whether this is for her. At least I, I sort of look at her and I think, is this is this the best place for her to be? And then you see moments in matches like that, and, and especially when she was coming back at Andrescu and, and when she gave her own fist mm. bump. It's so much quieter by comparison, but you see, you see the love for the game that she has, the love of competition and the, the, the desire to win. Um, but, yeah, she doesn't give off that I'm a champion vibe mm. all the time. That's just not her. But in her own way, she loves the big stakes, doesn't mm. she? We've seen her perform so well in big matches, and I thought going back to the fact that it was this first meeting between Osaka and Andreescu, it just feels like something I had to watch, you know, because mm. so often a first meeting can kind of set the tone for a rivalry. You know, you think back now to the way Nadal was able to, was able to get one over on Federer right at the start of their rivalry. And there was something symbolic to me about, I think it was the penultimate point of the Andreescu-Osaka match. Where Osaka, um, it was a really long rally, and Andreescu did one of her looped forehands, which no one has been able to kind of deal with, figure out the best way to do it all year. And Osaka stepped in and hit a sort of jumping backhand winner up the line, and it was, it was Osaka saying to Andreescu, my tennis is, is as good as your tennis kind of thing. And I just think they both... It wasn't always the best match. They weren't always playing well at the same time until that final set. But they both went out there and played their own tennis and believed in it and trusted yeah, it. That's and the thing, isn't it? She And then she hit an ace on match point. Yeah. She backed her own weapons and took the, took the play away from her. I still feel like Andrescu has just... There's just a little bit of a question mark now about her the way she just switches off in mm. these matches whether it's her or whether it's her opponents causing it but she'll have these sudden shifts where she loses four four five games in a row and ends up having a third set well, that you that you're not expecting well in the bt commentary it was anki othavong and laura robson and anki othavong asked laura robson what is andrescu's weakness and laura robson kind of laughed thinking god that's sort of hospital pass of a question <laughs> what is the weakness but then she thought about it and she thought well maybe it is not finishing off matches in two sets she's played so many three setters and she's had physical issues what is happening what is preventing her from winning these matches in two sets um, I think that I, I, I think long term that could be a problem I think actually this year 
that's rubbed both ways mm. and in fact rubbed the opposite way because she just has this I think it's given her this belief that no matter what pickle she gets herself into if she does suffer a a run of five games losing five games or whatever she just still thinks well I'm going to do this and we we all think it as well yeah. don't we there's never a moment where you think she might win because when she thinks she might lose because we've we had never seen her lose <laughs> yeah. and she probably forgot what it was like to lose so I think this year given how it's all played out that element that you're talking about has played in her favour but you can't approach a whole career that way thinking the, the bigger the pickle I get myself in <laughs> the better it'll do for I, my confidence I did find myself just staring at the TV when she lost match points yeah. thinking I've just <laughs> witnessed Andreescu losing and I was fascinated by the handshake because I was thinking I don't remember a handshake where Andreescu loses really okay we've had a couple of injury ones you know it was that, drama free yeah it was nice it was I, nice she gave her a hug it was human the, between the two of them uh, she's her own person Andreescu that's what I love about her she is what she they is they both are yeah and it was it was really uplifting to th- to think that this could be the future because that'll do for me just fine um and it was interesting we'll get on to the men but it was interesting for me that that match happened on the same day as Murray team Murray team being mm. the other sort of headline match that day and it was interesting for me that the headline match from a men's point of view was a kind of Andy Murray returning narrative whereas the women's event we were completely looking towards the future with Asaka and Andreescu whereas the men we were kind of thinking God, thank, thank goodness yeah. Andy Murray's back okay we then did have a interesting match between Zverev and Sitsipas and then team played Sitsipas and it was all good it was all fine but none of it felt as significant as Asaka and Andreescu playing for the first none time none of it felt like anything we'd be talking about and looking mm. back on in 15 years exactly. as the start of something mm. yeah um, the we, we touched on it briefly, but just seeing these significant figures of the year all coming good still at the end of the year. Barty has won the French Open, Asakura won the Australian Open, Andrescu still producing after the US Open. Okay, Halep had a, had a dip this particular week. Kvitova, who reached the final of the Australian Open, so often these these results in recent years have been a moment in time. An Ostapenko winning the French or, or, or a Sloane Stevens who, who produces like a dream at the US Open and then just kind of flatlines it was gr- it's great seeing them all come on strong at the same time in the same tournament and Kiki Buttons pushing Barty all the way and um, and then you ended up with Barty against Osaka it's not a match I watched I was able to watch live but you were telling me about bits of it as it was going on and, and watching Osaka trying to decode <laughs> the game you know clearly despairing at the slice backhand yeah. of Ashbar. but she'd got herself a strategy she can do different things but she had right this this will drive her up the wall mm. and sure enough it did the David Law approach to tennis <laughs> as you will discover tomorrow <laughs> yes yeah, so, so the the image in my mind of that final is Osaka at the end of the first set which is a towel on her head and this yeah. blank expression <laughs> across her face thinking she's just beaten this me is, with a slice back this is not tennis as I know it and yet she figured it out Catherine's staring at me <laughs> yeah. uh, incidentally they won't let me play on the artificial grass court that I've made my name on uh, they're, they're going to make they? me who's they? well me I'm happy to take ownership I don't want to play on artificial grass no he won't play me on that he insists what did he describe as low court. bouncing Yes. Yeah. It's Which skiddy. It's not necessarily what I would think of fits as suiting your style. Okay. Well, you wait. Six foot seven, David Law likes a low bouncing <laughs> court. Oh yeah, I'm a dark horse. <laughs> like Milos Raonic that way. Good touch for a big man. Um, so anyway, where do we get to? Yeah, the final. So how did she turn it around? Osaka. Well, in a in a very similar way to what she did against Andrescu, she she cut basically cut out going for really big shots and just realising that she did have the power advantage. And actually, I was really impressed with Osaka's movement. She was, the way she was hustling and defending in points and kind of turning the tables on Barty, making Barty think, making Barty think, oh, OK, this isn't working anymore. I need to do something else. And then 
once she once she got the second set, it really felt like the match was on Osaka's racket. But fair play to Barty because since since Wimbledon, since that loss to Risk, it's felt to me like her her game hasn't been there. She's been slightly out of sync. She's been missing back slices and missing shots she would make. So to see her kind of fighting through that and still managing to play well and get to the final of a Premier mandatory is a is a really impressive effort, especially with sort of close three set wins against Critter and Burton's. You know, it'd be easy for Barty to kind of think, I don't I don't need this. I've got I want to try and secure number one, but I can do that in Shenzhen. Then I've got the Fed Cup final. But no, she was she was giving her absolute all in, in Beijing and I think she's running slightly on fumes but still managing to get through it. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I remember thinking that when she lost to, to Wong in mm. New York, I thought, is this kind of the curtains drawing on Barty's season um, at that point? Because, you know, credit to Chong Wong, but she, Barty shouldn't, shouldn't yeah. have been losing that match. Um, and, I mean, you know if Ash Barty's knackered and it's been a long season <laughs> um but i mean she had a she had a good push at the end of last season didn't she didn't she win she, she won um Zuhai, Zuhai. Um, which is the alternate um end of year championships which is poorly positioned in the calendar as we've or discussed but a ri- it's well, better now yeah. they've moved it before now um, but yeah but yeah, she won that at the end of last season yeah. so she, maybe she, all she need maybe she got on a boat and had a Sailor of the I, seven seas you know, and refreshed herself. I genuinely could imagine Stefano Sebastian, and your dad on the boat together. <laughs> I really could. When you were describing it earlier, I was thinking, I could. your dad's been in Croatia, hasn't he, on his boat? He has, yeah. And I was thinking, you know, if you sent Stephanus out there It's not his him, boat, to be clear. All right, well... We're not Saudi billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> we don't own any boats. Borrowed The Whitakers do not own boats. No, but... I could imagine it. You should mention it, Steph. I, I, yeah. I mean, how well does he take instruction? Sits a pass quite well. well Advice. He, he takes it on the chin, doesn't he? Yeah. He's, I think he's a good student. A couple of weeks before he'd have um, to be before the O2. clear on who the skipper is. Right. You could get a boat to the O2. You it's, it's not long enough, is it? It's not a proper boat trip. No. It's not a rugged no. sail. It's like no. a taxi ride on water, isn't it? Will he be getting a boat to the O2? I think, I mean, I think he's going to qualify. I think he'll he? get there. Yeah. Yeah. Will uh, he have anything to give? On when the he subject gets there? of qualifying, WTO finals, six players now have qualified. I mean, Bar- and Barty is right in pole position for that world number one spot. She's a thousand points ahead of everybody else. Um, it still could change hands, but it's her, it's Osaka, it's Pliskova, it's um, Andrescu, it's Kvitova, it's Halep. Uh, anybody else that I'm missing? So those are the six that are in, yeah. and then Svitolina is primed to get the next spot. We still don't know whether Serena's going to play, but we think probably not. Extraordinary to think that Serena probably won't play, and the winner... Winner's check this year is twice what it was a year ago. It's the biggest, if you go in undefeated, it is the biggest prize check tennis has ever known, men or women. It's more than double what Tiger Woods got for winning the Masters earlier this year. It's $4.7 million. Blooming heck, it'd be interesting if Serena played, though. Mm. How many of those matchups would she go into as favourite? I don't know the answer to that. At but Tennis Podcast, get your thoughts in. I'd, r- I'd love to know. Those six players we've just mentioned, Barty, Osaka, Andreescu, Pliskova, uh, Halep and Kvitova. How many of those in the round robins, if you have Because we've not them? seen her play that many top ten players since her, since her comeback. And obviously, when she's she faced them in Grand Slam finals, she's, she's lost. But it's obviously round robin format, which would favour her. And, it, I just, and I just think, you know medium term playing something like WTA finals would help her for the Australian mm. Open without I think question she should be going. I really think yeah. she should go uh, I think she'd win her. I'd back her for half of them yeah um, still I'd, be, I'd expect her to beat Pliskova I'd expect her to beat Halep on that surface um, yeah but I think she'd be nervous about it I don't think she'd I mean nervous but I, I don't think she'd walk through those doors and be the instant favourite no no, no I absolutely don't not um, okay, well, that's that's to come. That's the end of the month, isn't it? Um, uh, Shenzhen. There's still a couple of tournaments to play before then, including Moscow. Uh, but the the lion's share of the WTA tour is done now, really. And there's Zhuhai, the uh, what is it, the ten to eighteen 
mm. players, I think it is, or nine to seventeen. I can't remember exactly which number. Um, well, it, it's you've got the issue of the WTA finals needs an alternate. So, yeah. how do they do that? Do, really do sure. the, does the player have to make a call between being an alternate in in Shenzhen and being a? Maybe don't know. Not sure on the rules. We'll check uh, for next week. Um, meanwhile, we had. But, mm. Go on. Well, I remember that year in Singapore when Venus Williams went as an alternate, and she she could have gone to Zhuhai. I think. I'm thinking aloud here, folks. It's it's Radio Gold. <laughs> yeah, here in the Beef Eater <laughs> in Sully Hall. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So the uh, the men's event, which was won ultimately by Dominic Team. I mean, he did really well, didn't he? Because he, he came back from seemingly lost positions a couple of times. In the semi-finals against Karen Hatchinov, he was 6-2-5-3 down? 6-2-5-3 down. And he won. Uh, in the final against Sitsabash, I, I knew he was a set-down. You told me he was a breakdown as well, Matt. Yeah, he was. Um, and then he... <laughs> And he turned into this absolute Hulk. monster. It's like he suddenly remembers that he can hit the ball really hard. Yeah, it's, and get it oh, in. Oh, why haven't I been doing that? It's, it's extraordinary. Actually, I must say, when he when he plays like that, I, I'm struggling to think of a player who I prefer watching yeah. to Dominic Team in it that is, mode. It's something to behold, isn't it's it? It's unbelievable. He's just ripping the ball off both wings, landing in. And it's you know, sort just of taking apart sits apart. It's I know the comparisons with Vavrinka are, are a bit lazy because of the single handed backhand, etc. But it it feels like um Vavrinka twenty sixteen US mm. Open final type tennis mm. just making everything else look puny. And and I think he's he's his court craft is slightly underrated he was he was better at the net than i remember him being team i think i think that is an upgrade he's made and, to his game and was foraying there yeah quite a lot it was a it was a tactic to and come was, i'm still not hugely convinced about his slice backhand no. but he's he's trying to integrate it more i think he realizes it's a work in progress he's trying to add it he's trying to add a bit of 
blocking, isn't he? Again, Vavrinka comparisons. Mm. Vavrinka's got a, a decent block. And, and I think, I think, I think Sitsipas could do yes. with a better block return and a better slice backhand. I think team actually slightly exposed Sitsipas mm. in that in that area. Um, and when you hit the ball as hard as team, you're gonna you're going to get short balls in return. So it makes sense to come forward. Um, and he, he's played he's played a little bit of doubles this year. Team nothing nothing. Played with Diego Schwartzman, didn't he? They reached the final in Madrid. Yes. Is that, is that right? I don't know. He definitely played with Schwartzman. It's a weird thing to make up if it's not right. <laughs> we'll, look, we'll look that up too, folks. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happened. Okay. Um, yeah. And he... I don't know. I, I, I think the, 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 there was a, that notable stat you put out about his hard court record. Mm given that we talk about his clay court prowess so much. And, I mean, his clay, clay court grinder, Dominic Team. that clay, was his Labour Cup, Cup intro. intro. Yes, oh my goodness. <laughs> the well, clay it was his, court grinder. It was his, 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 his Labour Cup intro twice, and then they changed it to clay court virtuoso, Dominic <laughs> Team. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean... Just call him a French Open finalist. It's oh, not... Don't get me started on those intros. <laughs> but... Like, the bulk of his points are going to come on clay. That's, or the bulk of his best results are going to come on clay. But he's he's having enough very good results on hard court to complement that. He, U.S. Open quarterfinal last year. He won St. Petersburg last year. Paris semi-final. Indian Wells champion. Now a Beijing champion. He's putting he's putting together really good results on hard courts and. I actually think he was a bit unlucky at the US Open this year. He had that virus, didn't he? And he lost first round. He, I think he could have made a run there. But, you know, keeping healthy and keeping fit is part of it as well. And this stuff still happens too often it does. to him, doesn't it? Does. it? I mean, you know, great that he's won Beijing. But why are you peaking at Beijing? Yeah. You know, that that's... Why are you peaking on clay and Kitchbull? Yeah. <laughs> it's not the ideal. The week after and, Wimbledon. And it yeah. must be said... As much as yeah, I've picked out the good results there, there are plenty of bad results on hard yeah. courts that you can pick out as well. He's lost to a couple of people this year that I've never heard of. <laughs> like he's too susceptible to lose, just yeah. losing to people you've never heard of. Yeah. So what about Alexander Zverev then? Oh. Tell us about his week, Matt. Well, I predicted him to win the tournament. Yes, I remember that. Which I, I still think was a. A really good prediction because I I laughed you out of town. That's not what you said at the time. (laughs) I laughed you out of town at the time. I didn't. There's no way I saw him even making semi-finals. Mm. Really, so I still think you predicted. I predicted. I never. I never get um, generous like this to (laughs) David. I recognise that. But I, you predicted that he would exceed expectations. Yeah, I predicted an upturn. Which you deserve some credit for. I I was irritated that you'd come up with that, and I hadn't thought of it until you'd said it because I saw the first two rounds that he played against Tiafo and then. Oje Aliassim, who admittedly is going through a sticky patch at the moment. I think he's knackered. Mm. He needs a holiday. He needs to go on the boat with your dad and Stephanus. Um, but also practice serving a lot. Yeah, that Not too long a holiday. Quite, quite helpful too. But, you know, he absolutely wiped the floor with them in the way that he was doing last year and the year before in the non-slams, yeah. where when his serve gets going, he just rolls it over. He's impossible to sort of penetrate from the back of the court. And he just knocks you off the court in that kind of metronomic way of mm. his it's not it's not Dominic team he'll never be like Dominic team redlining it mm. that is not his game but he becomes very very difficult to beat when he's in metronomic mode but he he, he he malfunctioned and he beat um query in the quarters and that I think that was the first match this year in which Sverev didn't serve a double fault which is a first match of this year. Yeah, he's a mind-blowing stat. How much pressure... I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but how much return pressure does Sam Curry sure. put on an, a server? But the point being that he will have played... He will have played <laughs> weak delicately returners. delicately enough phrase? <laughs> <laughs> he will have faced weak returners this year and hit double it's faults. True. Um, it's true. He was plucking double faults out of if he could double fault against David Law. <laughs> I hope so. But... Uh, <laughs> It was it was one of those where I was waiting for the Osaka Andreescu match and I saw Zverev query was on and I thought how how much do I trust Zverev to get this done in two so I can watch Osaka Andreescu and he did he was an efficient 
straight sets win and I thought okay a turner a, a turner a corner has been turned with three straight sets wins and then the match against Sitsipas happened which I must say I didn't see a great deal so, of but I know you did well I that was my first fair of match I watched of the week I didn't watch any of these previous barnstorming efficient performances I'd I had uh, read analysis of them on our WhatsApp group and thought, right, I'm going to tune in to watch, you know, 2018 ATP Finals Zverev take on Sitsipas. This is feed it into my veins. And, of course, spent the first half hour shouting at my laptop screen because I couldn't tell which player was which. I mean, sidebar, that was ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. It looked like they were playing a practical joke <laughs> on the audience. Could, it was that... Could, both down to the frigging headband both players in orange headbands they, it was just they were wearing identical kit styled in identical ways with the same hair you just can't do that <laughs> you can't have matching haircuts how'd as well. you get on at wimbledon when they're all wearing the same well don't get me started on the all-white policy at wimbledon because i got beef with that as well <laughs> um, beef in the beef eater <laughs> oh um yeah, it was it was stupid. It was so self-defeating and so easily put right. I just don't I don't understand how that ever happens. Mm. But anyway, um, so I tune in. I've heard all this great stuff about Zverev's back, and I'm thinking, Matt, what, how does how does Matt know this <laughs> stuff? Because I just I, yeah, I laughed him out of town when he made that prediction. Um, I tune in, and he's three one up against Stefanos Tsitsipas. So I'm like, oh right. Yeah, great. This is where is back. And then sort of six points later, he's lost his break and he is absolutely drilling his racket into the court. The sort of the sort of drilling your racket into the court that you would do if you've lost a two sets to love, love lead in a Grand Slam final. That kind of drilling the racket. The turnaround in his mental state and mental stability was... Um, mind-boggling really and not commensurate with the turnaround in the school yes it was a frustrating situation he'd lost a lead he'd let sit to pass who's clearly running on fumes back into the match but how he can let it go haywire as as palpably haywire as that so quickly is is it's alarming it's really he's, alarming he's got no confidence to draw upon no. you know if you see so fragile you what you you know, we talk about Nadal and Djokovic and Federer. Their mental strength—if they—if something goes a bit wrong, they just think, "Well, of course it goes wrong." Just Things imagine, go wrong. just they imagine, just draw what, on strength imagine what they got. were saying into their live oh. scores tablet. Yeah. We know when what they were saying because yeah. we've heard them say yeah. it. Not why, one negative. Why face. wasn't he? Well, was he hearing that echoing in his ears? Didn't look like he was, but maybe he was. And why was it not having any any impact? I mean, it's I. I oscillate between feeling feeling sorry for him and and feeling zero sympathy at all because 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 thinking sort of but does that sympathy sort of reinforce his sense of entitlement? Why should we feel sorry for him? He's still a top ten player. He's still doing all right. Feeling sorry for him implies that he necessarily should be doing so much better, and maybe he shouldn't. And, and maybe that's a big part of the problem that he feels entitled to be some, doing some people think we're too hard on Alexander Zverev um, yesterday or the day before one of our media colleagues tweeted the fact that he has not beaten a top 10 player all year and first of all Nick Kyrgios jumped to Zverev's defence and said well you haven't beaten a top you won't beat a top 10 player in your life also a fact not relevant but that's what Nick Kyrgios had to say another sidebar that trend of athletes having a pop at journalists for not having been athletes and therefore not being entitled to make any com- comment on sport or athletics worries me. I saw um, Renee Stubbs did, did something less dramatic, but she also made the point, leave him alone. Um, look, it, they're just facts, uh, and, and, and we, can't, we can't ignore them. Um, but and do he, we... He, expects more, he clearly expects more from himself. We're... we're Following his lead to Do an extent here on how is, is how that, we sh- frame him is that what it is is that is it a question of Alexander Zverev carries himself as if he's won five slams and slightly sneers at you you know there is that he does have that in him um, 
that makes people perhaps judge him more severely when he doesn't meet these targets? Yeah, I'd say that's probably a factor. Mm. He, and actually, I think the the, the, the the degree to which he's falling short at the slams is so severe to have not gone beyond the quarterfinal, given the number of years now that he's been touted as being something that is a player that is going to win these things and the manner of those defeats against who he has been beaten by I think that yeah I think people have lost faith or, or lost you know lost belief that he will necessarily turn it around and, and come good on it, it, it sorry Matt is it beca- is it possibly because uh, do, do Zverev doubters get more criticism because because it comes, because the doubting comes with a slightly less sympathetic tone. If you make the comparison to say Dimitrov, who we're pretty harsh on, he's been a huge disappointment over the years. Obviously, he's a bit further down the line than Zverev, but we do it with a with a warm sort of. We wish him well. We wish that there were. Mm. We wish that he hadn't disappointed. Now, I don't wish any ill of Zverev at all um, but there, it doesn't come with the same warmth mm. that we all embrace Dimitrov with I think mm. that's, that's fair to say I mean obviously the podcast has <laughs> we, we've embarrassed ourselves so many times on behalf of Grigor Dimitrov that we have a special allegiance towards him <laughs> um, but but perhaps perhaps we're all open to a bit of criticism on that front but then, yeah. but then it's difficult to feel warm towards him when he's Slinging arrows towards us all the time, isn't he? He's, he's he can be pretty disrespectful in press conferences towards the media and and some of our questions. So it's it's a two way street. Mm. Mm. I was I was just going to say that it, it, it's still better to be in Zverev's position. You know, the reason why we talk about Zverev and are disappointed with Zverev is because he has shown us something. He has shown us what he is capable of to a certain extent. He has won Master Series, he has won the ATP Finals. The logical next step from that is to have higher expectations of him at slams and things. You know, it's it's better that we're talking about Zverev as a contender for big titles than we're not talking about him at all. Like it stems from a positive place, our comments, because he's been good in the past. Yeah, when you see how annoyed he is when we're just not talking about exactly. him, when he's not in the conversation, that's what all great the most, I suspect. If if it ever reaches that stage, it might not. But once he drops out of the conversation, I suspect that will be... Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see whether the, the scar tissue that has must have built hmm. mentally is going to... Well, if he's going to be able to break that down over the next couple of years, really, because, you know, he, he's got a lot of work to do. Um, and uh, you said to me earlier in the week, Matt, that unless he does it at the slams, all of this other stuff will be irrelevant. Yeah. I just felt that this week was going to be a stepping stone on, on the road because he, he needs to rebuild the basics before he can go and do it at the slams, I would have thought. I don't see him suddenly having a week out of nowhere at a slam and reaching the semis or reaching the final or going further than he's, he's ever not before. That kind of player, he is needs he? to do it incrementally. Mm. And so, you know, he needs these weeks. He needs Shanghai, which uh, let's get on to Shanghai in a moment. But first of all, Novak, Novak Djokovic winning Tokyo in routine fashion. It's why we say it wasn't the best watch. And it's not Novak Djokovic's fault. He was just so far head and shoulders above the rest of the field, which was, you know, it wasn't a strong, the strongest field in the world. But the big news is that he did it with, without a dodgy shoulder. By the looks of yeah. things, he did, he looked imperious. He wasn't pushed. He wasn't he wasn't moved at all. He just looked. He, he made it look easy. That title it, win. I think it was quite easy. Yeah, he, as you said, the news was that his shoulder was not a problem. Other than that, we we didn't really learn anything about Novak Djokovic. He was. We learned that John Millman loves Novak Djokovic. Yeah. Yes. Really, um, really heartwarming speech from him after the final. Sort of not having not having a pop at people because I don't think John Millman is capable of that. <laughs> um, but he had something to say there, he, didn't he? He had something to say. Yeah, he was defending the character of Djokovic in the face of 
he didn't reference any criticisms or it was in, it was entirely positive but it was sort of implicitly couched in the implicit subtext for me was this guy gets a lot of criticism I'd like to speak up for him and say he's a he's a great guy and that should be that should be acknowledged and in so doing proved to us also that he himself is a great guy John Millman <laughs> is a great guy breaking guy. news <laughs> yeah we know but that to be true I suppose it was relevant for Djokovic in a sense that he hasn't necessarily brought his best tennis this season outside of the slams. You know, I think he won he's won the Australian Open, Wimbledon and Madrid, I think, but and now Tokyo. So it's it's relevant in that sense that this was a week where okay, he wasn't up against seriously difficult opposition for him, but he still played his absolute best tennis and just squashed any kind of challenge that Puy or Goffam might have posed. Um but if we it was, against Djokovic shouldn't is, is be allowed to not, happen. Not a matchup I ever want to see. Okay. All of those players, if you think of them, Puy and Goffin and Milman, they're all kind of Djokovic light, mm, aren't they? They, are. they all play hit a good ball. They're really good players. He's a great player. Yeah, it's, and it, he he showed, I'm a great player. You're good players. These are the results. Yeah, yeah. it was actually a a, a very st- a stark way of realising just how unbelievable Djokovic is because that type of tennis he, he does play sometimes it, it can not be very effective but he makes it so effective just by how good he is and how sort of the relentlessness of his of his the depth on his shots I mean it's all stuff we've said before but it, it, it is reinforced when he plays people who have the same game style as him how um, uh, heavily is he going to beat Denis Shapovalov in his <laughs> opening match in Shanghai I, I would look I would back Shapovalov more than any of those other three that we've just mentioned oh me too but I that would, is uh, what I mean, I mean is I think that Shapovalov could come out with an, an awesome day he and could he ain't going to do it I don't, it over, I don't he, know whether he'll pull enough for the whole match uh, no that's um, the thing, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. I'm not mm. saying he won't perform well and pull off some great shots and maybe have a little patch where he could possibly even win a set. So I think, I think it Why could be Why am I making close. predictions for a match that will already be over by the time anyone's <laughs> listening to this? There is nothing to be gained. <laughs> but, so Djokovic, we think, has never lost in the Beijing-Tokyo week of the calendar. 34-0. and zero. We were he's, going through his Beijing results, which he obviously didn't play last week, but it, he's won it, what, five, five or six times? Yeah, he's 29-0 and 0 in yeah. Beijing and now... 5-0 and in Tokyo yeah. and the, we were looking at the runs <laughs> he, he's just destroying yeah. fields 2-1 2-1 yeah. 1-1 barely drops games it's, it's incredible what he does to people in the, in and he's won swing. Shanghai a handful of times as well yeah. he seems to relish this it, part of the season it, uh, you must say though it, if everybody could stay fit we could be in for one heck of an ATV finals because the world number one ranking should be up for grabs um, if Nadal not playing in Shanghai this week Djokovic coming in in great form those two are there in London Federer's qualified Dominic Team is now qualified Medvedev Medvedev for the first time it's, it's a really mouth-watering field building isn't it yeah you'd expect it to pass to, to qualify yeah, from here yeah. I mean Unfortunately, it, that if is a really, really big if and always is for the ATP finals. But yeah, on paper, it could be quite. You always you want the number one ranking to be on the line. You cast your mind back to 2016, Murray Djokovic. Yeah. They ended up in the final. Murray wins it, clinches the number one ranking. That's what you want. Plus, That's you, want, you, want, you, you want, want freshness. Yeah. You want. We were talking about Barty, Kvitova, Osaka, Andrescu managing to find some form and fitness at the right time all coming together in, in the autumn the way they are want the same for the ATP finals uh, and I kind of feel like Medvedev coming in new Sitsipas hopefully mm. as a new player I think it could it could be really special yeah because there's been some real duds in the last few years at that tournament there's, there's often a, a saving grace a good match but most of the matches are a couple of weird barely, matches sort of barely like tennis at times very odd Nishikori matches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nishikori Federer, Nishikori team. Last Chilich, year. Chilich has always struggled yeah. there, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, it's it's, it's all, felt a bit tired. That, the, it that. feels like there's always somebody that withdraws from the tournament after playing one mm. one group stage match. So you get a sort of couple of glimpses of Pablo Carreño Busta, <laughs> knowing that it'll amount to, to nothing meaningful. You just yeah, you want it to be a coherent 
energised week. Mm. I think I think I'm uh, feeling optimistic. No. <laughs> Look at you. See the grin he's doing. <laughs> Can't contain himself. Uh, incidentally, on the subject of my grin, I'm also drawn to this uh, line out of a press conference from Sitsipas after the Zverev win. Where, oh yes, this was where gold. He said, they said to him, three in a row against Zverev now. Why are you having so much success against him? He goes, I mean, actually, I feel like I don't really have to do many things in order to either break him or go the extra mile in my game. I just have to play simple and just be productive. It's, no, it's not the case with many other players. <laughs> so if you think we're being harsh on Alexander Zverev... <laughs> you know that he doesn't mean him any ill when he says it that no, way. No, not at all. He's just he's sort just... of... It's kind of just he, he's slightly well he's just blunt isn't he and, and slightly clumsy well, in the way he says it I was going to ask what the level of needle was like in that match because as much as I enjoyed seeing Zverev and Sitsipas interact at the Labour Cup and kind of get on a little bit equally I'm ready for a it was quite ro- one sided getting on yeah wasn't it? it was Sitsipas wanting to get on with, with Zverev <laughs> but as, I'd, I want a rivalry well that's not going to bloody help no it's it? not <laughs> I want a rivalry where they openly hate each other I think Zverev openly <laughs> hates Sitsipas he's not very shy about saying how he feels is he no I, it's brilliant well neither I mean there's obviously the needle, needle with the, the management situation the, Zverev has documented his trials and tribulations over his manager at length well that manager was the manager of both him and Sitsipas and that was obviously an untenable situation and, and um, Sitsipas is still with that agent and Zverev is now not with that agent although still going through legal wranglings so I don't think that helps I don't think it helps that they are sort of they're like Superman and Clark Kent aren't they they're just um, except not because Superman and Clark Kent wore, wore completely different clothes <laughs> <laughs> which one's which well done which one's what which in this scenario to, what happened to sit to pass liking balance that is new I don't, I don't know. He's not yeah. supposed to be with Adidas anymore, is he? He, Maybe he was, tweeted was the that adorably uncryptic. He yeah. thought, I'll drip, I'll drip feed cryptic clues about my new clothing deal. And just out of nowhere tweeted, I like balance that is new. And yet somehow here he is still uh, doing an Alexander Zverev impersonation routine. But I still want to know which one of these two is uh, Clark Kent and Superman in this scenario. Depends oh. on the day. <laughs> well, it... you're going to need a week to think about that, aren't you, Catherine? It's Maybe they're like good Superman and bad Superman Whoa. from Superman th- four. Is it th- four. Four, yeah, that's it's not awesome. the best one. That is, it was on the telly the other day. Those special effects have not stood the test of no, time. Not aged well. Incidentally, uh, beneath the uh, the tweet about Stephanus's uh, comments about Zverev, somebody wrote the word burn. Right, so I looked this up. Oh no, this, in, is, this uh, is the Urban Dictionary yeah, segment, looked, isn't it? Looked it up, and it said "burn" means to disrespect someone, to make fun of someone. I think that was pretty self-explanatory. Used isn't by it? a third party after a first party makes fun of a second party. So they yeah, are. I mean, burn. That's what they say, and they also say. Well, apparently, they also say he was being salty. Yeah, and salty is when you are upset over something little. That's what Urban Dictionary tells me. Well, that's what Kyrgios yeah. called Nadal. Nadal, yeah, super salty. So I'm learning all sorts. Well, was Zverev was asked about Medvedev at the U.S. Open, wasn't he? He was asked about Medvedev's hero. You say antics, I say heroics at the uh, at the U.S. Open, <laughs> and he ended up bringing the conversation back to bitching about Sitsipas, didn't yeah. he? He was like, I think Medvedev's <laughs> fine, but Sitsipas? <laughs> the Sitsipas shoe and his shoe stuff. Oh, the laces. <laughs> Still my highlight of the year. Maybe tied yeah. with Medvedev, Leander Pérez <laughs> changing Sitsipas' shoes. <laughs> <laughs> it's all happening. Okay, oh, by the way, we saw Andy Murray today. Uh, we saw Andy Murray all, all last week doing pretty well. He, he lost to Dominic Thiem, that's the last two title winners that he's uh, he's lost to today he beat Juan Ignacio Londero we watched it whilst having our lunch luckily on mute yeah because Londero is loud he is, is loud yeah oh, right. my my first experience of Juan Ignacio Londero was walking past the boring court at the French Open outside the court and being able to hear Londero <laughs> thinking who is making that racket in there 
and turned out it was him. <laughs> Maybe that's why Murray was looking so irritated. Yeah. He lost the first set 6 2, ended up winning the Summing three. up everyone's Monday feels yeah, with takes, his face today, takes Andy Murray. On Not Fabio ours, Fonini in the next round as Andy and, Murray. And, and this is going as Murray planned is the wrong word but would have wanted you know building incrementally week by week he's winning yeah. sort of he's playing one match two matches three matches he's gradually playing more and more and looking and, and better as David, and better David said earlier today, it got better as the match went on today yeah, and he is. identified that himself that was the first thing he said he was pleased with in his, his interview immediately off the court um, because he has looked he's looked pretty spent after a few of those victories and I know the the conditions have been challenging. I mean, Zhuhai in particular looked just like some sort of hot yoga type situation <laughs> on the centre court there. Um, and uh, I mean, sh- sh- we had the commentary off, so didn't hear reports of how hot it was. But if the fabric of Andy Murray's shirt at the end of that match was anything to go by. It was, a, it was a sweaty evening. <laughs> Clammy. Clammy, uh, the, yeah. uh, He was saying that Walking fabrics are available, he was, he was saying how fast the conditions mm. were in Shanghai, so that'll be something to watch out for this week, won't it? But there's something really uplifting I'm finding about watching this period of Murray's career. I think someone, I think it was a lady called Maggie Ellis, tweeted us saying that it's it, there's something so special about enjoying something which you thought you wouldn't have the opportunity to enjoy ever yeah. again, and you know, without wishing to get all kind of soppy about it, it, it is very much like that. I had, I had pretty much come to terms with the fact that Andy Murray, as singles tennis player, was was done as a thing, and now it's back. It's like it's almost like going to a a good school reunion or something. Like you're like you're seeing all your old friends again, and you're you're taken, you're t- almost transported back to that time, and. And yet he's doing it all over again, and we're getting to watch it again. And I just think there's something there's something really powerful about it. I think at the moment, with just knowing that Andy Murray's playing tennis, and we're able to watch it again. Mm. Yeah, she summed it up really well. Mm. As as have you. Yeah, he could do with a shave though. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with going a week with a beard, as long as you can tell that it's a beard. Mine didn't work out last week, um, but you know I, I gave it a go. Um, as I will give it a go tomorrow against Matt. What am I going to be facing, Matt? What sort of style do you bring to a tennis court? Nothing special. Um, <laughs> Selling uh, it. That scheduled trash talk has, <laughs> has gone well. You should it? have heard what you were saying earlier. Oh dear. No, my backhand's my best shot. Is it? Mm. Oh, that's useful to know. Yeah. Great. I'm not telling you what mine is. So, uh, Roger Federer has been tweeting up a storm. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> Catherine's got video evidence that will never surface of my serve. Um, uh, Roger Federer has so been. I really t- wanted that to surface. Tweeting a lot and getting very excited ahead of, Sh- uh, of Shanghai. Uh, so that's he is tweeting yes, a lot, isn't he? Like and uh, it, a lot, a lot, I don't, a lot. I don't love his Twitter activity at oh. the moment. Harsh. I like. It. I think he's I cute. I like it. He, yeah, I think he's quite good at Twitter. He's dad tweeting. He, it's yeah, very, it is. Yeah. It's really naff. It's like it's like <laughs> it's like one of his kids have come up and said, "Dad, this is how you do yeah. it," and he's like, "Oh, yeah, it is, yeah, okay." Yeah, but I think that. He, I'm just going to keep doing it. I think he embraces it. He was asking people for like a new profile picture and sending, you know, getting getting suggestions from people, and I just, I think he, I think he owns it. Yeah, it is like. When I got a Facebook friend request from my grandpa, <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird day. Did you accept it? Oh yeah. Okay. Me and Sydney Whitaker are friends in all in all senses of the word. <laughs> and then he got hacked, and it was it was, <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> okay, right. And on that note, uh, I think we're done for another day. Anything else we're missing, folks? Uh, make sure you're on the newsletter, guys. If you want to enter our Davis Cup finals in Madrid, Davis Cup by Rakuten, to get these tickets, to get the trip to Madrid, to have your accommodation, uh, 18th to the 24th of November. You've only got a few days to go, so enter the competition. Scroll down on your app right now. 
get yourself on the newsletter. Travel, tell f- travel from anywhere in the world. Yeah. So the further away from Madrid you are, the better value you yeah. can get from the prize. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, do that and tell your friends about the Tennis Podcast. Do that. Leave us a review on iTunes, all of these things, and we will keep producing these shows for you. Hope you're enjoying them. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we are executive produced by TennisBalls.com with our mascot, Rio with a Y, brought to you in association with the Telegraph, and we will be back next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 